do, do we have an opening bit that plays, or do you still do it? I don't know. And we just have the the music come in. We don't have a cold opening. Oh, unless this is the cold opening. It could be. Cue the music. <laughs> made a mistake. <laughs> that was tremendous. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a Game from 20,000 Podcasts. I'm your host, Gus. I'm Caitlin. And I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made a mistake. <laughs> Would you like to explain what the mistake was? So, uh, I promise when I picked the last movie, which was supposed to be Space Amoeba, it was on Amazon Prime. When we went to watch it today... It was no longer on Amazon Prime, which was fine. I thought, I'll rent the movie, no big deal. Oh, no. Can't rent it digitally. It was not available anywhere digitally. So then I found it on Vimeo. Or I should say Gus found it on Vimeo. Problem, it's the English version, which is notoriously bad, and I am not a huge fan of 1950s Japanese movies that have been dubbed into English. So maybe at some point we'll do Space Amoeba when I'm willing to shill out 30 or $40 to buy the damn DVD. Or when you're just willing to watch, to watch and subsequently <laughs> rag on the English dub. I know, I know. I just, I wanted to watch a good movie because we had watched two shit movies. And I know that Space Amoeba is going to be really bad in English. And I, I really wanted to watch a good movie. <laughs> So I had a list of three other of three films when I picked Space Amoeba, and the other one was actually the movie I almost picked, which is what we did today, which is actually Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1956. It's a great movie. I, I enjoyed it, yeah. Um, the crazy thing about Invasion of the Body Snatchers is it was made again in the 70s, and the 70s version also really good. It's not too often when a, you get a remake or a reboot or something and both versions are good. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think of one off the top of my head. Uh, I was going to say The Day the Earth Stood Still. I think the remake of that one, if I'm remembering correctly, was actually pretty good. Uh, if you want to talk about the opposite direction where the remake is so bad, let's look at The Wicker Man. <laughs> You can name many a franchise. You can look at Wicker Man. You can look at RoboCop. Ooh, RoboCop, though. But to be fair, the Judge Dredd remake reboot was way better. Dredd was way better than Judge Dredd. There's a reason I have a Dredd tattoo. (laughs) And a RoboCop tattoo. That's real. That's the real thing. And my cat is meowing in my kitchen looking at pizza boxes. Yeah, he, he's good the whole time we're watching the movie, and then as soon as we turn on the recording equipment, he, he's going. So again, if there's any awkward pauses during this, uh, we had to go shut the cat up. Sorry if you hear him in the background. He's a good boy. He just wants to be heard. Okay, anyway, so Invasion of the Body Snatchers, awesome yes. movie. Uh, do you want to know something crazy? Sure. This movie was filmed in 19 days, and that was going over <laughs> by three days. Oh, my God, cat. The cat has jumped on my lap. Hi, buddy. Uh, he jumped into the microphone. Uh, anyway, Hello, and that's yeah. after having gone three days over a production schedule. So they only had they, 16 days scheduled? Originally, and they went over three days because of night shooting. Uh, 
they they had to film at night for some of it, and so they went over. Hey. It's an incredibly fast turnaround time. So Invasion of the Body Snatchers was actually directed by Don Siegel, which is kind of crazy because he's actually known for directing Western films like The Shootist, uh, Dirty Harry, Two Meals for Sister Sarah, and then also Escape from Alcatraz, which isn't a Western, but very notable. He's also not actually a seagull. <laughs> no, neither is Steven Seagal. Uh, he's he's a bird. <laughs> I, I couldn't think of him. All I could think of was antelope, and that's not a bird at all. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers was one of his earlier films. Yeah, I... I enjoyed this. So what did you know about this movie before I watched it today? I'd seen this movie before. <laughs> uh, I, I knew everything about this movie. I had seen it a couple times. I've never seen the, I want to say it's 1976 without looking it up version, but I had seen this one before. Um, so I already knew about it. I've actually <laughs> probably seen quite a few of these movies that you haven't because I'm into these kinds of movies. Yeah, I've only gotten into these movies in the last few years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been de- e- into this stuff since I was a kid. And even then, for the most part, it's mainly been, you know, like Godzilla movies. Right. I'll yeah. get you to watch Gamera sometime. I've got them all. Yeah. So I, I've i heard of the name Invasion of the Body Snatchers and stuff. It's one of those things that's kind of, you know, it becomes a thing of pop culture almost. Well, it should. It's in the National Film Registry. This yeah. movie's incredibly famous. This movie is super influential on horror and sci-fi overall. A, a lot of 1950s movies are. There's a lot of uh, elements in this where I can see being taken mm-hmm. and adapted. Not necessarily adapted, but, you know, inspiring other things. In one particular spot, um, some of the music sounds very reminiscent to me of... The boomer music from the video game Left 4 Dead. Yeah, some of I that could see low that. piano stuff. The music in this movie was really good. Uh, that's because Carmen Dragon did a fantastic job. And the music producer's name was Carmen Dragon. That's an <laughs> awesome name. I was actually gonna look that up and and forgot to see what other music this person has done. Uh, let's see what else has he done. He's done quite a bit. It looks like I'm. Just, just keep talking while I look this up, because I, I realized I forgot to look him up here. Okay. Oh, he also did Kiss Tomorrow Goodbye. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. That that was in 1950. Great, great. He also did the music for the musical Cover Girl. Okay. I don't think you've ever seen it, but... I heard of it. But. Yeah, he did a lot more radio than he did film from the looks of it. Okay. Either way, the soundtrack of this movie did help a lot with the tension and the fear Oh, yeah, this this, the score was fantastic. From the very beginning, the music, when we're in the overture of the credits, is very eerie, very creepy. Um, it slows down, it speeds up. You really get the feeling. Of, it's it's more unsettling than scary, yeah. the music, and which, really, that's what this movie is. I was, I was just thinking that. I'm not a horror fan. No. At all, I would say, especially with modern horror. But this is more like a thriller or unsettling rather than, you know, scary blood and guts. Well, a lot of 1950s horror movies were either creature features, which were supposed to be scary and weren't, or they were more thriller, eerie, scary. Um, yeah, there's only one, like, weird sci-fi element in this, I would say. You know, like how some movies have monsters and all this weird stuff. I would only say with, like, the pods. 
Those are the only things that looked kind of out of place. Yeah. Because everything else was just the way people acted. Right. And the music and the right act, the scenery and all that stuff. Well, because it was all about, like, losing your humanity rather than, yeah. like, ooh, a big scary monster's going to come get you. It, it, it really was the idea of... What is a person? What creates a person? Is a person something that looks like a human? Or do you have yeah. to have desire, love, fear, all of that sort of thing? That's really what this movie was exploring. Yeah. And it did a fantastic job. If you want to see a version where it's more like, oh, they're all weird and alien, and you can see that, watch They Live. Oh, my God. I love They Live. They Live's great. It's so good. <laughs> okay, so let's get into it then. Yeah, sure. Okay. Okay, so this police car comes tearing around the corner wee woo wee woo and it stops in front of city emergency hospital that's where i have all my emergencies oh my god my city has an emergency it broke its arm uh yeah big arm (laughs) giant or a small city or a small city or both uh so there's this guy who we'll find out who he is here in a minute just screaming. He's going crazy behind what looked like it said Dr. Harvey Bassett's office. There was Dr. Hill who walked in. Dr. Hill mm-hmm. was the guy in the police car. He's a psychiatrist. Yeah. Dr. Bassett is like the medical doctor at the hospital. They don't really matter that much. Yeah. I'm going to burp. I thought they Excuse would, me. which is why I took down their information. I did too. And then it turns out they just listened to the main character tell his story. But hey, yeah. they were on the door. I thought they were important. Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot. I kept switching between calling our main character by his first name in my notes and his last name <laughs> in my notes. So if I accidentally switch between Miles and Dr. Bennell, that's why. So we see a crazy guy telling these people, saying, tell these people I'm not crazy. This is our main character, Dr. Miles Bennell. Yes. Uh, he, it, tur- it turns out he is, in fact, a going nuts. And he's like, I'm not crazy. Listen to my story. You have to believe me. And they're like, calm down, son. Tell us your story. <laughs> and then he tells us his story. We do have a flashback. So we have like a Wayne's word, like, boop, <laughs> moment where the camera goes all wavy like it did in the 50s to, to show that we're having a flashback. We flashback to last Thursday at a train station at Santa, Santa Mira, Santa Marla. Santa Mira. Santa Mira. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We see Miles getting off a train and meeting up with... Sally. Sally. Mm -hmm. Sally. Um, And she's like, man, your office has been super full of patients while you've been gone for the past two weeks. Sally's his nurse. Yes. Sally's the nurse. Uh, I thought she was the receptionist, but he calls her the nurse later. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, I I forgot about this scene. (laughs) No, it's okay. Well, it's really important because it makes no sense in the grand scheme of things. Because she says people have been waiting for two weeks to see the doctor. And he said, well, why haven't you sent them to the hospital next in the next town over where there was a doctor. And they said they wanted to see the local doctor. They mm-hmm. didn't want to go to this other doctor. So people waited for two weeks to see the doctor? That's very strange. This weird thing on my foot will get better. Yeah, exactly. Like, that doesn't make any sense, especially because they wanted to see the doctor and then suddenly they no longer needed to see the doctor. Yeah, this is happening a lot we see people we hear people like they're like oh i had something going on and then suddenly he gets back like oh no i'm good or it's all fine later in the doctor's office they talk about they had six canceled appointments when he had been fully booked it doesn't make any sense if i'm feeling sick 
even if I'm feeling a little bit better, I'm still probably going to go to the doctor if I feel like something's wrong. Uh, so it's just really weird. Uh, the other thing is we hear about Becky Driscoll, who was in England, and the nurse says she came back a few days ago. I'm more of a Becky Lynch fan myself. <laughs> Whatever. And she wanted to see the doctor, but it's not because she's sick. Um, also, it's because she is, she's dehydrated. You know why? Why? Because she's thirsty. <laughs> she she was very thirsty for miles through this whole movie. She wants Doctor Love. Well, they've known each other. They established they've known each other like their whole lives. They had a mm-hmm. thing in the past. That's why it didn't seem so weird to me when they got together later. Yeah. Um, but she wanted to see the doctor because she's thirsty. Because uh, she's been in England for... Her like, pee is really yellow. <laughs> oh, my God. She's been in England for a long time, and she wanted to see him, and her pee is very yellow. Good. I'm glad we agree. Uh, yeah. Um, fuck, where was I? <laughs> oh, oh. Um, this is also where the doctor... <laughs> this is the only part that I thought might be sexist for a 1950s movie, I mean... There was some sexism, but not anything that made me pause and scream like the other movies, except for this one thing (laughs) where... um, I have the quote written. Oh, please. By all means, because I don't have the quote. So Miles says, my interest in married women is strictly professional. He says this to Sally. Yeah. My interest in married women is strictly professional, or else yours would have been in trouble a long time ago. Ew, <laughs> he just tried to hit on a married woman, or at least tell a married woman, dang, you hot, <laughs> which I was, like, not about. I respect I, your marriage, but if you weren't, I would plow. <laughs> I'm sure you've told many, I'm sure many women have told <laughs> you this. I'm sure, I'm sure many men have, too. Remember, everybody's got a butt. Three episodes, three butts. <laughs> There have been way more than three butts in these movies. There's a lot. Remember, the last movie had a shitload of people in it. A lot of butts. Anyway. So this kid comes sprinting into the street, and they have to swerve to not goddamn hit him. He was like three feet away from getting creamed. This kid was like... Miles is about to get himself two stars in GTA. (laughs) Yeah. So <laughs> this kid runs into the street. And he's like screaming and crying. I think his grandmother is chasing after him yeah. and says like he just doesn't want to go to school. This kid does not just not want to go to school. This kid's terrified. Yeah. And even in the like voiceover, he's like, I should have known the kid didn't want to just go to school. <laughs> like clearly something's wrong with this kid. He turns and looks at the most ramshackle vegetable stand. <laughs> on the side of the road, and he's like, I should have known something was wrong. Grimaldi's vegetable stand was clean and bustling last I left two weeks ago. Yeah, you wouldn't want to certainly get your peas there. Now, you certainly, you, this thing looked like it would give you tetanus from looking <laughs> at it. Like, it was. I got tetanus from a carrot. <laughs> I mean, I meant from like a nail sticking out. No, it's rusty carrots. <laughs> disgusting. I'm um, selling rusty carrots at my new restaurant. So, <laughs> goddamn. Okay. The health inspector's nightmare <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> Is this our our new film that we're going to make ourselves? Attack of the haunted rest. Attack of the fifty foot restaurant. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so Doctor Fucking Miles, uh, he goes to his office, and Becky shows up. 
wearing what I could only describe as a gown. (laughs) (laughs) She's wearing like, it's a a sensible knee-length dress, but she's got like two petticoats underneath and a corset on, and her breasts be as out as a woman's breeks can be in the 50s. They are out there, both shoulders <laughs> revealed. There is no clothing above cleavage. No. And this gown looks like something you would wear to like a real nice restaurant or like a cocktail party. And she just like, I'm just gonna slip this on to go see the doctor. <laughs> like she had a plan. Yeah, cocktail party. She's got the tail, he's got the cock. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Okay, anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is where she talks about her cousin Wilma. Wilma! Who seems to be having a delusion. She thinks her uncle, Wilma, by the way, Wilma thinks her uncle is an imposter. Uh, her uncle Ira. But it looks like Ira. It sounds like Ira, but she doesn't think it's him for some reason. It's really There's strange. something up with him. Also, we hear a line that made me pause the movie for a second because I had to think about it. Because Becky says she came back from England a few months ago. The nurse said that Becky came back from England a few days ago. I don't know if this was an oversight in the script. It never really came back up again. It never came back up again. I couldn't tell if it was an oversight in the script or if maybe it was very early snatching on the nurse's part, on Sally's part. Yeah. I don't really know. I don't think so, but it was weird enough that I wrote it down because it didn't make <laughs> sense to me. Um, anyway, he says, I'm completely booked, uh, but I'll try to make it. And then... Sally's like, now you have six cancellations. See ya. (laughs) And he's just like, oh, perfect. I guess I'll leave. So he and Becky, they go around, they do romantic things, kind of, you know, teasing will, they won't, they kind of stuff. They will in about five minutes. Oh, they gonna bone. They gonna bone down hard. Yeah. I was gonna admit that the cinematography for this movie is pretty good, especially for a movie from the 50s. It is actually very well filmed. One of the problems that you see in a lot of 50s movies, especially like these monster movies and things like that is camera shots are either very limited or set and they just move around, you know, some slight little pans or zoom ins and zoom outs. This one had a lot of movement, a lot of tracking shots. Like there's this really nice shot of them walking across from one side of the street to another. Uh, It's very smooth. And I like it. The other thing about this movie is that it is in black and white, but it's filmed very well. Like the lighting and mm-hmm. contrast is really, really well done. Uh, because obviously in the 50s, we had color film at that point, but a lot of movies were still filmed in black and white because of budgeting. And they did a really good job of making a black and white film that was not too dark and was not too light. All of the night scenes, you could still tell exactly what was going mm-hmm. on. It was it was shadowed in all the correct places. So that way, as he's looking around through the dark, you're not seeing what you're not supposed to see yet. And that's one of the things with um, when you're shooting in black and white, is you have to make sure that you are shooting for black and white. Right, which clearly they were. They knew yeah. exactly what they were doing on that set. They did a great job lighting. Um, that's a problem that you get with a lot of like TV shows and movies nowadays. If they try and do something with black and white is that they don't always 
film for that. Mm-hmm. Um, WandaVision was actually a good example recently because the first episode, two episodes are black and white and mm-hmm. the face paint on Vision was actually blue because it showed up to make you think it was more red. Right. Well, that's like often in films much later that were filmed in black and white. Whenever they would need something red, they would use something that was brown. Yeah. Like a chocolate sauce for blood, like in, in Psycho. Psycho. Yep, that's um, the... That's the, the big, big one. one. Mm-hmm. You can mess around with color a lot more in black and white films. Mm-hmm. Uh, the artist does it really well. Strangely enough, Fury Road, even though that movie wasn't meant to be filmed in black and white and was later uh, transitioned to a black and white version, they were able to go in and color correct to where it looked like it was supposed to be filmed in black and yeah. white. You can do a really good job if you know what you're doing. And this film knew what it was doing. I wonder if we would have been able to tell what was happening in Zack Snyder's cut of Justice <laughs> League if we watched the black and white version. Uh, no, because I still would have been really confused about the first time Flash turns back time and they don't <laughs> explain it and I screamed because I didn't know what was going on quite literally. That movie was not good. <laughs> it was terrible. Anyway, um, he they go out into the street. Uh, they're flirting. They're going to bone. But before that, they go into the street, and he runs into a police officer, and he goes, hey, what do you want to talk to me about? What do you make that appointment for? And the police officer goes, huh, nothing. It's nothing now. I'm good. And he yep. just leaves. Away. doesn't even say goodbye. No. it's he, he doesn't even say goodbye. He's in no way concerned. And another thing this movie does very well is everyone that's been snatched before we learn about body snatching does a really good job of not having any kind of emotion. He's just like, no, it was nothing. I'm fine now. Gets on his motorcycle and just rides away. No emotion, no concern, just, no, no. But you don't really notice that he doesn't have much concern. You're kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. Something feels a little off about him, but not enough to where you really notice. And he just drives away. Um. So let's see here. So Miles is getting ready to, I, I actually skipped a little bit. He's getting ready to leave, like they're about to get in the car, and Jimmy comes running up just screaming and crying. Jimmy was the kid from earlier that he nearly creamed <laughs> in the With that car, yeah. And he's screaming and running and trying to get away from his mother. Like his grandmother is with him, and he's crying about his mom. And he's saying that she isn't his mother, she's going to get him, and apparently this has been going on for a while. That's... Apparently why he was crying that morning. Yeah. And every time his grandmother mentions his mom, he freaks out, goes into hysterics, and tries to get away. And uh, he's like, all right, take, bring him inside. Yeah. Gives the kid nondescript drugs. <laughs> That's always good for children. <laughs> you know. Good for character. I, I'm sure that it was probably just something to calm him down, like take two of these Call me in the morning type of deal. Maybe some Valium. Some Flintstones gummies. Some Flintstones gummies. Says, you know, stay with your grandmother for the night. Yeah. I'll look at him again tomorrow if he's not calmed down. Yeah. Something's obviously bothering him. Maybe she was just mean to him this morning. We don't know. But he's crying that she's going to get him. Which, as a kid, would be terrifying. Yeah. Like... Your par- something's wrong with your mom or your dad, and you are maybe 10? You're going to freak around. out. Yeah. yeah. He's it's- also the only child in this movie. He is the only child. Oh, you're right. He is the only child yeah. in this movie. Um, yeah. Like, she- he also mentioned he found him in the cellar. 
Yeah, like, he's, he was hiding. Yeah, this kid did was not want to be found. Hiding. And I know she said cellar, but I was just picturing um, Ralphie from Christmas Story hiding <laughs> under the sink. <laughs> you want some? Here's some milk. <laughs> or, no, sorry, Randy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ran- Daddy's he's gonna, gonna kill, kill Ralphie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so Miles goes to visit Wilma, and she says that her uncle Ira who, by the way, mows the same strip of lawn the entire time they're talking. It comes back to him, and he's just back and forth. He has not made just the same strip. Which, when you first mentioned it, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. But in hindsight, It's kind of weird. I don't know if it's just an oversight and they use the same film a couple times, or if it's supposed to be strange. Yeah, there was a couple of points like that. Yeah, where somebody does something a little... Was this for the film? Was this intentional, or was it just a... An oddity of 1950s filmmaking. Also, I I know his name was Uncle Ira. I kept writing down Uncle Iroh. <laughs> you know, he has an obsession with tea and honor. Wilma, uh, you must find your honor. <laughs> your honor is not with the Avatar. <laughs> anyway, she keeps insisting that Ira is different. It's not something she can see. Just hits different. It, it just hits different. Like... She specifically says, like, he looks the same. He acts different. There's something about him. The light in his eyes has gone out. But she specifically mentions that he has all of his memories down to every last detail. Yes. He can remember. Because Miles says, well, clearly there has to be something. If this isn't him, there has to be something that he and you would know and no one else would. Like, you know, like. If I have a clone, this is my thing that I would know. You know, that stupid question you ask people, like, what would your, if I'm an evil clone question be? Um, That sort of stupid thing. But no, he remembers everything. But there was a special look in his eye that seems Mm -hmm. to have gone, is what she said. Basically, like, the life has drained from his eyes is how I took that. That's how I wrote it down. Kind of like in Jaws, like, had a doll's eyes type of deal. Like, there's yeah. nothing there. It's, he's alive, but different somehow. Yeah. He's alive, but he's not living. Right. That sort of thing. And Miles just like, huh, well, I'm going to make you an appointment with Dr. Kaufman. You just need a psychiatrist. Which would have been heavily frowned upon in the 50s. Like, if you had to go see a psychiatrist, something was wrong with you. And she's like, oh, no, there's nothing wrong with me. There's something wrong with him. I'm fine, is what she insists. Because in the 50s, if you had to go see someone or, like, take pills, it wasn't, like, now where, generally speaking, that's more accepted. That would have been, like, oh, my God, the end of the world. Like, did you hear about Sally down the street? She has depression, you know? Like, it would have been whispered about type of deal. So it would have been a big deal, but she agrees, even though she says there's nothing wrong with him or with her and it's all him. And I was just like, nah, you're fine. Uh, again, we hear all these people wanted to see him and that they all said they were fine. So he's like, oh, they were fine. He ignores it. Doesn't think anything of it. He specifically said he should have thought something of it. Because there were so many people. Yeah, he says that in his... Um, in his, like, voiceover. voiceover. There's some voiceover that's going on. Remember, this is still a flashback. Right. It, and he's like, I should have seen that something was really wrong because all of these people canceled their appointments and suddenly said they were fine, but I ignored it 
because I'm a man of science. Yep. Um, there's nothing really wrong. They just need to see Dr. Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Kauf- Danny Kaufman, who is the psychiatrist in this town. The witch doctor, as they call yes, him. Yes, the witch doctor for some reason. So anyway. Uh, Miles gives Becky, Becky was hanging out there too. Yes. But there's her cousin. He, uh, he invites her to dinner. And he's honestly, I'm not going to lie to you, for a 1950s man, kind of actually charming. He's yeah. not that, he doesn't say anything super sexist here. He's just like, let's go to dinner, Becky. And she's like, okay. Like he says, like, he makes like some naughty jokes, but like. You know, it's nothing. Like, that, it's not like sexist. It's like, oh, we're going to have sex later. Not like you're my property. <laughs> <laughs> right. Kind of stuff. Like they end up kissing later and I'm not mad about it yeah. because they've known each other for so long and he's actually charming and not shitty. Yeah. There's actual <laughs> chemistry between these two. I feel like there's a legit connection. Yeah. Like, which, you know, kind of helps because they established beforehand that they've known each other for years. They've known each other for a very long time because if there's one thing I hate in these fucking B movies, it's meet my assistant, the charming mathematician, the, Martha, and then like t- ten minutes and later, they're making out. Sixteen hours, they're, they're lifelong lovers. Mm-hmm. Hate it. I, I don't even hate that in just this movie. I hate that in like all movies. <laughs> I hate it. It's like my least favorite thing. Uh, anyway, so let's see here. So while they're on their way to the date, um, there's a car backing out. It's actually Doctor Kaufman. Almost rams into them. Why are people getting almost hit by cars in this movie? Uh, so I mean, I just realized. Yeah, because he's leaving the restaurant that they're about to go into. Yeah, and he goes, uh, "Hey, Doctor Kaufman, I, I want to talk to you. I'm gonna send you a patient tomorrow." And Doctor Kaufman's like, "Oh, all right, whatever." And he's like, "Doctor Kaufman says like, so it's like she's thinking like her sister's not her sister or something." He's like, "Well, that's pretty dang close. He's been seeing this kind of thing a lot." He says it's contagious and that it's a epidemic of mass hysteria. Yeah. Like, a lot of people are claiming people they know aren't those people. Right. And he goes, well, what could be causing such a mass hysteria? And he's like, oh, you know, everything going on in the world. This is post-World War II, baby boom. There's a lot of really, you know, we're in the middle of the Cold War. People are stressed out. They're, you know, triggering mass hysteria. I would believe that. We have seen in reality in the past where things like that have happened, where there have been triggerings of mass hysteria, like the dancing plague in the medieval era that I can't remember the years that it happened, where it was like a strange hysteria that overtook everyone for some reason and no one knows why. These things happen. Yeah. Excuse me. But yeah, he's like, oh, it's seemingly contagious. I don't know why. Hmm. Nothing to worry about. He's basically, there's nothing to worry about. I'm going to take care of him. Have a good dinner. See ya. I'm Audi 2000. So Miles and Becky, they head into the club. This is when they kiss. Ooh, yeah. And there's a good sex joke here that I wrote down. I missed it. I just. So she, they, they kiss and they're walking into the restaurant and she goes, is this an example of your bedside manner? And he goes, he leans in, he goes, no, that comes later. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, what a good one. What a smooth sex joke line. Yeah. And I wrote it down because I, for some reason, really liked that one. So they go to this place called the Sky Terrace, which is normally very busy, uh, has a band. Has a house band. Yeah, has a house band. So you pop in, it's... Like, this is one of those, like, 1950s clubs that everyone would t- yeah. go to. But the place is weirdly empty. He says it's been going on for a couple weeks now. They had to let the band go. 
The owner is the bartender because they can't, I'm assuming because they can't afford anyone else. That was else. my guess too. Cause he was like the mater d. Like he, yeah, he did he everything. greeted them. And he's like, hope you didn't have to let the bartender go. I am and the, the bartender. bartender. Starts making them some martinis. Oh, this upsets me because multiple times in this movie, they waste good gin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a huge gin person. I have like three different types of gin that I can see on the shelf. And I know there's one or two more hiding in the back. We have a liquor shelf. I have a lot of gin. It's my <laughs> favorite. Um, I have some expensive gin too. So uh, they get some very dry martinis, which they don't get to drink because there's a phone call. There's another emergency patient. They have to cut their date short. What a waste of good gin. <laughs> So Becky goes with him. He's like, oh, well, you know, maybe it won't be too long. And they go to the Belize residence with Jack Jack, Jack and Teddy Belize. Yes. Uh, and I wrote this down because it made me kind of laugh. Where Teddy comes out and she's all upset. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you're here, doctor. <laughs> and she's like crying. But then she sees Becky and she's like, hi, Becky. And then she's fine. <laughs> like, and she's totally fine. Becky is a very calming soul. <laughs> Apparently. She's still wearing that fucking gown from earlier, by the way. <laughs> she does eventually change, but this gown has gone from day to night wear. <laughs> so Jack and Miles talk, and Jack's like, you're not going to believe this. I'm just going to have to show you. And he doesn't want him to call the police. He wants them to just, just see it first. Right, because it's fucking wild. They go into their, their like, bar room. It's a nice-ass house. Yeah, house. This, this is actually, like, a bit... Whoever this Jack dude... Folks. Yeah, they mentioned what he did, but I don't remember. It was a passing line about what he did. But probably Bitcoin. <laughs> probably 1950s Bitcoin. Um, it's just bits of coin. <laughs> it's, he yeah. welds them together. <laughs> so they go in, and he's like, it's on the pool table. Because there's, like... The only room you ever really see in their house is this bar room where there's, like, this real nice bar and a pool table. And um, he pulls down what's clearly the cover to the pool table, like, you know, because you would cover a pool table. I don't yeah. know if you've ever had one. I grew up with one. He pulls the cover off, and there's what looks to be a dead body there, and everyone is very calm but looking at a dead body that showed up out of nowhere that looks exactly like Jack. It looks very, very <laughs> similar to Jack. It's missing... Some of those finer features. Yeah, it it like, looks vaguely like him, but it's missing things like the folds in his face. Yeah, they try and take its fingerprints to identify it, but it has no fingerprints. It doesn't have fingerprints yet. Um, also, one thing I'll say is that yeah. when they first reveal it, they pull the cover or blanket back. Mm -hmm. The blanket still kind of covers a lot of the face. <laughs> it kind of does, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Well, I think they, they wanted to have a little bit of more, like at first they wanted to reveal like, oh, it's a body. And he kind of yeah. looks at it, and then they pull more back, and then you're supposed to realize, like, wait a minute. Yeah. This isn't just a body. This looks very, like, eerily similar to Jack, who is standing right there. But it's missing those fine details. Yeah. To where it's clearly close to being Jack, but it's not quite him yet. I even have here when they take the fingerprint samples of him. Uh, he takes the fingerprints, and $5 says the body doesn't have any. My next note is $5, please. Yes. Um, this is also when I noticed that the body was on a pool table. I missed that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's clearly, like, it's turning into him, almost. Like, 
as time progresses, they're noticing it start to become more and more like yeah. him. So Jack's like, we, let's calm down. Let's go have some bourbon. So he starts mm-hmm. pouring everyone drinks. Teddy's, this is when Teddy outright says that it looks like Jack. Yeah, that's that when. Mm-hmm. makes Jack. Kind of freak out. Kind of freak out. And he, he cuts himself on something. I'm not sure if the glass broke or. He, he I, I think he like kind of freaked a little bit. Like it's like when she says it. Like, he knows it looks like him, but when she says it, he really yeah. kind of has that moment of realization of, like, oh, my God, it does. Yeah. You he, know, like, he's been denying it this whole time, and now he can't yeah. because now his wife has said it. And it makes him break the glass in his hand, and it cuts his hand open. It's a cut on his palm. Mm-hmm. And it the bleeds. Doctor, and it, they, it bleeds. they clean it up. It's not yeah. a horrible cut. It's just, like, a, a cut in the palm. They clean it up. He's fine. Um. It would really suck to get a cut on your palm, though. Right. And Miles is like, this is not just a dead body. There's something really going on here. Don't call the police. Now, here's something wild. It's fucking wild. He says, okay, Jack, sit with the body, your body, this body that looks just like you overnight. If nothing happens in the morning, call the police. If something does happen, call me. And then he goddamn... Fucking leaves. <laughs> he leaves this dude to look over what is essentially his goddamn dead body on his pool table. He goes back to Becky's place so they can bone down. Yeah. I, I, he does. He's like, okay, come on, Becky. Let's go fucking boner. And they leave. And I, I literally wrote, Miles fucking leaves. He leaves him there with the thing trying to take Jack over. What the but like call the cops if anything else happens why not call the cops now there's a dead clone so or is he the original oh, oh. we don't know anyway we just watched actually we, actually we do know <laughs> but he goes in they go into becky's I, house i just kept thinking about uh the maulers from invincible oh god anyway so they go into becky's house and did you catch that he calls her a wench you're a forward wench dragging <laughs> me into a dark out al- dark hallway to be kissed and she turns the light on and she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, like no, it, I'm scared of the dark. I'm scared of the dark. And he's like, no, it's a compliment. And she's like, oh, and she turns the light back off. No, he turned the light back off. Oh, I and then she, she did. And then when she started talking again, she turned the light back on. I thought she was flipping it on and off herself. Like, hey, I'm afraid right. of the dark. Oh, come on, baby. Let's go. Okay, turn it off. <laughs> hey, wait a second. Then turn it off again. That's what I thought she was doing. <laughs> I didn't realize it was him flipping it back on. So, you know, they're being a little saucy. <laughs> they're being a little saucy with each other. Becky's... After know, he called her a wench. Becky's a little uneasy, whether because of the wench or because of the dead clone. <laughs> uh, but then, Yeah, but she's kind of into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, she's still like... You know, we could, though. But then her dad was in the basement. There's someone in the house. It's her dad. It's her dad. That that jump scare was... Or that scary moment. Not necessarily a jump scare. It's not really a jump scare. It's just the light turns back on again, and when her dad is there. there's a dramatic sting, <laughs> it was played up as something scary, then it's like three seconds, and oh, it's... It's, it's her dad, dad, and she's like, what are you doing here, dad? And he's like, I was in the basement working in my shop and she's just like okay night and goes upstairs to be fair what is scarier to a guy trying to get some puss than the girl's dad i don't know you tell me (laughs) we've been together since we were 17 10 years (laughs) i'm sure you were afraid of my dad at some point at some point probably (laughs) i did know your dad for a few years before that anyway 
So we cut back to Jack's house and dead body Jack on the pool table, its eyes open. Dun, dun, dun. And his Teddy notices she screams. Jack is asleep on the bar behind her, which is very important later. We don't know yeah. why yet, but we do. it ends up being important. But she looks at the dead body, and it moves, and she sees its hand, and the cut that was on Jack's hand is now on the body's hand. It has developed the cut. Yeah. Anything that happens to someone's body while they're in the middle of being, I guess, snatched, as I called it, happens to the new body. Um, so Teddy <laughs> naturally freaks the fuck out. Oh, she absolutely screams in terror. She grabs she w- Jack and mm-hmm. rush out of there. Which, I mean, I would too if the yeah. dead body of my husband was coming to life and, like, looked exactly like him because now all those smooth details yeah. now look exactly like him. They're now more detailed. Like, it is now fully him. Yeah. And they 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 don't get in a car and drive. Oh, no, no. We actually don't see. They just, <laughs> they run out of that room and then they're at, at Miles' place. I like to think that they ran there because I just oh, have. That's definitely funnier. I, I have a lot of times when people, like, go to drive somewhere or they just, like, leave a room. I always put they run to. So in my brain, they didn't get into a car and drive there. They just sprinted the whole way <laughs> because it's funnier to me and it makes sense when I'm typing because it's faster. So uh, she's screaming to Miles, like the body moved, it moved. It's, I saw the cut on its hand. Um, it looks just like him now. So they give her a drink, probably gin, <laughs> to calm her down, which I guess if someone's freaking out, sure, why not yeah. give them a little alcohol? And they're like, we have to call Dr. Kaufman because clearly she's crazy. <laughs> like, clearly crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, so they, so Miles calls Dr. Kaufman, tells him to get on his way, and then Jack says... He mentions Becky for something. Like, yeah. hey, how's Becky? Like, do you think Becky's okay? Yeah, do you think Becky's okay? Why does he mention Becky? Why is he just like, hey, you think Becky's okay? Like, well, I mean, she was there too, I, looking at the, the double. I guess so. The only reason I could think he even mentions her, because there's no reason to mention her in this moment, is like, do you think she's mentally okay? To yeah. me, there was no real reason for Jack to be like, wonder how Becky is. But either way, it... Like, clicks in Miles' head that, like, oh, no, Becky's not okay. Like, he has almost, like, a sixth sense. You know how when you just feel like something bad has happened? Like, almost like dread, and then you get a phone call, and it's like, oh, your dog got sick or something. I couldn't think of, I didn't want to say something sad. (laughs) So Miles freaks out, hops his car, and drives over to Becky's place. Gets out of the front, doesn't even park, put the car in park. He just lets it roll into the curb. Every time this man drives, as he's driving, for some reason, he's just continuously hitting the brakes while he's driving. This car, anytime it is driving, is not driving smoothly. It's like jerking back and forth. Like he's <laughs> fucking taking his feet off of the gas and hitting the brake continuously. I wrote a note about that later. <laughs> anyway. So he runs up to Becky's house. He's still in his dressing gown. He's looking like Arthur Dent from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And he pauses, and he's like, wait, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know why I feel like something's wrong, but I should sneak into the house. I shouldn't go through the front door. So he goes around, and he does something that I like that they do in movies, which is where they don't just, like, break through glass with their hands. 
they'll protect themselves by doing things like hit it with their elbow because there's cloth or yeah. take a piece of clothing off and break a window. Because that's how you would break a window in real life. I don't know why. I just like that attention to detail in movies sometimes. It's a weird thing that I notice. There's a nice bit of detail here. I'll Hi, buddy. Mm-hmm. Walter's back. Oh, he's snipping. <laughs> anyway, go on. So he goes into the basement. He's looking around. Mm-hmm. And he pulls a match out of his oh, pocket and yeah, lights it. Yeah, yeah, he lights a match. Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. looking around with it. And mm-hmm. he's like, where did he get this match from? Why does he have this in his robe pocket? Mm-hmm. When he was calling Dr. Kaufman, he lit up a cigarette. He had lit a cigarette and he had pulled the match from his pocket of his dressing gown. So he was smoking earlier, whether he put the cigarettes in his pocket or if he had them there in the first place. Mm-hmm. I knew what you meant. It just makes sense. It makes sense that he, that he has, has the these matches. matches. They're not just random. And I like that. That's a good, clever bit of writing. The other thing that I noticed is that he lights these matches. He has to light more than one because they actually burn an appropriate amount of time that a match would burn. And it also gives off the appropriate amount of light that a match would give off. It doesn't, he doesn't strike it and then suddenly everything illuminates like yeah. you see in some films. Again, going back to the production, the light that it produces makes sense for a lit match, and I really like that attention to the detail. And it also helps because he constantly goes back into darkness, makes things a little creepier. Mm-hmm. Every time he has to light, he has to light a couple of them to like look over here or look over there. <laughs> and sorry, the cat is doing something weird that he's never done before. Anyway, so he um, he's looking in what I think are kind of odd places at first, like under this table. Yeah. And then like... And he, then he looks in like a big trunk. Yeah. And then he looks into what um, almost kind of in basements or cellars, they would have like a big built-in, I guess in a basement, it would have a cellar. Yeah. And he opens that up and there's a body inside. It's Becky. It's Becky's body. It is just like... Jack's body in that it's very smooth. Yeah. It doesn't have all of Becky's features, but it's enough that looking at it, you can tell that this is Becky. So that that's unsettling. That's oh, not cool. Oh, it's real fucking scary. And so he goes sprinting up the stairs very quietly, and he stops when he gets to the top, and he opens up the bedroom to her dad's room first. Uh, and sees that he's sleeping. So it's like, okay, so he closes that door. And then he very quietly sneaks into Becky's room where she is asleep. And he tries to wake her, but she won't wake up. So you try yeah. to wake someone up. Yeah. What do you do? Do you, A, continue to try waking them? B, wait for them to wake naturally? Or C, steal them out the goddamn bed? <laughs> he just picks her up and carries her out. And then, and oh, the he next- doesn't just carry her out. He like fucking heists her ass out of that house. And then in the next scene, she's just awake. Yeah, she wakes up. <laughs> I thought there was gonna be a much bigger deal. I thought it was something like I. I think because she was in the process of her body being snatched, it must have been harder to wake her. So he just had to like pick her up and and, and like take take her with him. They don't quite explain that, but that was kind of what I took from it is she was in the process of being snatched. So it was harder to wake her up because it like saps your mind as you're sleeping, as we find out later. But they go back to Jack's house and Jack's body is gone. 
and there's a blood spot from where his hand would have been on the pool table. That's like, going to be a paint to wash out. Uh, yeah. A little club soda, I'll take it right out. But clearly it must have been, because the hand had been bloody from when it got cut. So when he got up, he would have made a blood spot on the pool table. But he gone. Mm-hmm. Like, that body got up, walked away. And so Kaufman shows up, and he's like, look, there was a body here. We know there had to have been a body here because there were three witnesses to the body. But it was clearly a murdered body. Maybe someone killed it with an ice pick or something. Kaufman is very skeptical about all of this. He's got an answer for everything. It makes sense. You'd be skeptical, too. Yeah. Uh, And he's like, no, there's clearly an answer here. You saw a dead body, clearly, because three other people saw it. But someone obviously took the body for some reason. Maybe someone wanted to hide it. And he goes, well, what about the body I saw in Becky's basement? And he goes, you did see a body in Becky's basement. In your mind, it wasn't real. You saw this body, so when you went there, you freaked out. You have caught the hysteria that everyone else has caught. So Jack, Miles, and Kaufman break back into the basement. (laughs) They do. They fully B&E back into Becky's house. B&E, bacon and eggs. (laughs) They go in there, and they're just talking full on, no hushed voices, I think. Mm-hmm. They probably went through the window in the basement again. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. And now uh, Kaufman's got a flashlight, so it makes the basement less creepy because there's a constant brighter source of light. Right. So, oh, also, we didn't mention this. He says that the body must have had, because it didn't have fingerprints, they burnt them off with acid. Yes. Again, explanation for anything. Anyway, they go back, they open that cellar door, they open the trunk. Guess what? Nobody. Nothing there. Nothing there. And he's like, see? You imagined it. And fucking our boy Miles, I couldn't remember his name for a second there, is like, no, I swear to God, I saw a body. And he goes, look, you're going crazy because the reason why the body that looked like Jack didn't quite look like him is when you die, your features start to change. You start to smooth, which is true. Have you ever seen a dead person? their features don't look quite like them anymore. They become waxy a lot of the time. That's why you have to put makeup on them yeah. because they go pale. They don't. A body never quite looks like the person when they were alive. And that's kind of how Kaufman explains away, like, eh, here's why it kind of looked like Jack. It, it didn't really. You just thought it did because its features changed when they yeah. died. And as they're having this conversation, Becky's dad comes down the stairs with a shotgun because there's three people in his basement. Anyway, so then a police... Honestly, a pretty appropriate reaction. Well, then a police officer shows up, and he's like, what you doing in here? Officer Nick. Oh, was that his name? Yep. Anyway, he's like, what you doing here? And he's like, "Uh, there was a body, and we lost the body. And he's like, why didn't you report the body? And he's like, I thought it was weird, so I hadn't reported it yet, like trying to explain it away. Yeah. And he's like, look, the body, that, the body that you lost, yeah, it's in the morgue. It's fine. Found it in a burning hay bale like two hours ago. Get on out here. These men did not report a body and then pulled a B&E in someone's house. Twice. Twice. <laughs> and just got told to go home. You did anything like that now, you'd be in the police. Uh, in the police? White privilege. <laughs> Yeah, you would be in jail forever, okay? (laughs) Or as I just said, in the police. (laughs) Um, So 
The next morning, Becky's making Miles some eggs. And I don't know if you noticed, but he's like, oh, how long you got to boil them eggs, sweetheart? She's like, oh, two minutes. Because, yeah, I think she's making soft-boiled eggs. And he's yeah. like, oh, two minutes. Like, well, you fucking say so, you goddamn idiot. <laughs> like, like, he's judging her boiling of eggs. He's just like, ugh, for some reason. And I thought it was really funny, so I had to write it down. Because he was just like, okay. Yeah, they are back at Miles' house for this. Becky's. I thought, they were, I thought they were at Becky's house. No, they're at Miles' house. Oh, I thought they were at Becky's house. And eh, whatever. Either yeah. way, she's they're, boiling him eggs. Yeah, they're at Miles. Mm-hmm. Becky's there, and so are Jack and Teddy. They're still there, too. Okay. For and some reason, I thought it was Becky's house, but they also weren't 100% clear. I wasn't paying. I would think I was typing. Mm-hmm. And Jack and Teddy are... Miles lets them, like, hey, you can stay here a couple of days. You had a weird fucking thing going on with your place. It's okay to stay here for a Yeah, days. he's being a good friend. Yeah. And they hear this loud bang, and Miles freaks out. Understandably. Because it's from the basement where everything happened, and he opens it, and it's just the gas man. He's just there. He's just like, I was looking at your gas gauge. I'm from the 50s. And then he just leaves. (laughs) Uh, And then I wrote this down because in every movie from the 50s, this always happens. She, (laughs) Jack shows up. Becky makes him coffee. Yep. Because I have been keeping a track, keeping a track, (laughs) keeping track of when women make men coffee in these movies. Because it kills me how often she's just like, I'll make us coffee. And then she shows up with coffee. This started when we watched uh, the Gigantic Claw or whatever. The Giant Claw? Yeah, the Giant Claw, which we haven't done an episode on yet. We will. Maybe we will in the future. Um, She makes them coffee. For some reason, in all these movies, they're always like, I'll make coffee. And then they like come in with their coffee and like their little dresses looking perfect <laughs> and it kills me so i write down when they make coffee in these movies it's really funny this is also when we find out that miles and becky were both married not to each other but to other people yeah they were married they're not the anymore yeah they're not anymore um miles talks about how him being a doctor put a strain on his relationship with his former wife yeah because he was never home because yeah. he worked all the time it's like don't marry a doctor and becky's like well, I like a doctor. <laughs> yeah, she's like, ah, oh, but I'm into this doctor because we bone in anyway. And a friendly reminder that this is still a flashback. This is still a flashback. So, Wilma. Wilma? Wilma. Yeah, Wilma shows up. Wilma! <laughs> and, uh. The prehistoric honey. She's rooms. like, hey, I don't need to see Kaufman. I was wrong. Ira's fine. And Miles is just like, well, all right. Call Becky later. Bye. Oh, M- Miles bumps into her. It was still. On the street. Yeah. Still. He's like, okay, just call Becky later. Bye. Like, he thinks nothing of it. He just, like, deuces. Doesn't think it's weird. Isn't like, are you sure you should, again, maybe have a follow-up? Yeah. So Miles goes to his office, and who's on the couch? Jimmy. Jimmy, and he's fine. Jimmy's there with his mom. Yeah. and she's Totally fine. Totally fine. That resolved and quickly. Miles is. Didn't it? Miles is very confused. He's like, wait, this kid just the day before was screaming and crying, and I know I gave him what I'm assuming is Valium yesterday, but he, the way he was freaking out, he should not be fine yet. He should still be scared of this woman. Um, so then, <laughs> I, I won't remember what the context of what I wrote down next is, but... So many dry dartinis never get had. What a waste of gin <laughs> is my next note. Because they go to like a house party 
or like they're having like a barbecue yeah, at um uh, whose house is that? I'm pretty sure I have it as Miles Place. Oh, I think it was. It was like Miles' house and they were having like a barbecue or something and they made more dried martinis that again they never got to drink and I think I was really sad about it, so I wrote <laughs> it down. Cause what a waste of good gin and vermouth. <laughs> um you have gin and vermouth. I don't have I don't have vermouth. I think I I thought I bought some. No. I should get some vermouth. Anyway, um all of the sudden, we cut to a weird-ass, disgusting, oozing plant. In the greenhouse in the backyard. Yes, in the greenhouse in the backyard. I'm not sure why he went into the greenhouse in the backyard. He just kind of walked by it. The door to the greenhouse was open. Oh, and that's right. the barbecue right. pit was, like, right next to it. Oh, that's right. And he was probably like, uh, why is that open? That's weird. So we kind of went inside just to look. And there was just this disgusting plant. And when I say it's it disgusting, it's like this... Oozing and... It, it's probably about the size of maybe a crock pot or or bigger, if you know. I thought it was a bit bigger than that. Eh, yeah, but that was the first thing I saw up there that I thought maybe it was about that size. Um, just to give it a size. And it's like getting bigger and bigger and cracking open and bubbles are coming out of it. And it's... Like this weird, ploppy, gross white liquid's coming out. And it, it probably smells bad, I would assume. And it's happening rapidly, and it grows into a person. Wherever these bodies are coming from, they are coming from these plants, and they look exactly like someone else mm-hmm. in the town. And there's not just one in here. There are four in here. Yes, there are four. And... They have no idea what happens to the bodies when they're done growing, um, as in, like, the human body, the body that is alive now. So, like, your body, if you yeah. were turning into one of these things. And they said, well, they they must die. The human being must die, yep. and these take their place. Yeah, all four of them have seen it now. Yes. Um, so... Miles realizes that Becky's father must have planted her, planted a pot in the basement to grow her body. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have they start figuring out that like, we have to look at everyone because they look and act exactly the same as their counterpart, other than they've lost their character, they've lost their humanity. What makes a person a person? Because so- Becky even says that. Something with her dad changed, but she didn't really think about it because she'd been in England for so long. Right. She'd been in England for years. So she thought that, well, maybe he's just a different person. People change after a few years. I'm not the same person that you knew five years ago. Yeah. So this is when I started actually putting in like body snatchers and snatchers. Um, Mm -hmm. If I call them the snatchers, I'm talking about body snatchers because they never call them the body snatchers. Yeah. But because it's called the invasion of the body snatchers, I just started calling it like being snatched or snatching yeah. body snatchers, the snatchers. So if I start calling it that, that's why. That's what I put in my notes. I ref- usually refer to them as doubles. That works too. Um, so he thinks that they must be some sort of mutation that takes from the real people. They make flesh out of literal thin air and that they take people's minds over when they sleep. That's why it was so important earlier when Jack was asleep that it Mm -hmm. opened its eyes because it was transferring his mind into its body. They they can't fully form and come to life 
until you fall asleep and they take over your mind. Mm-hmm. How they figure that, I don't know. It's kind of a leap in logic, but I'll take it. It's fine. I don't care. Some movies, I'm like, what the fuck? How did you just come to this movie? I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. Because it's so far-fetched and yeah. so well-made that I'm like, yeah, sure. So, Miles and Becky run back inside. Jack and Teddy are guarding the bodies, making sure nothing, they don't, like, escape or come to life or anything, because they still don't know 100% what's going on. Right. They're like, oh, man, it's yeah. forming into any, anyone could be a snatch. Yeah. Like, could have been snatched at this point. So, Miles is trying to call the FBI. Mm-hmm. He's not able to get through. Well, hang on, because this goes a little deeper than that. So, first he tries to call the FBI, but all the circuits in L.A. are burnt out. So, he goes, okay, call Sacramento. But all the circuits are busy. Okay, so call San Francisco. Can't get there either. The operator's been snatched. Yep. <laughs> um, they keep, She just keeps repeating... I can't get through. Do you want me to keep trying? Because she can't get through because she won't get through on purpose. Um, It, it tells us implicitly that he says she's been snatched. Like she has been taken over. He's never going to get that phone call. So he tells Jack and uh, Teddy to leave. I burped, excuse me. But he says he's going to stay at the house because someone has to answer the phone that's never going to ring. <laughs> uh, and he's like, I'm going to stay here. Jack, Teddy, Becky, get yourselves out of town. But Becky's like, I'm not leaving you. And he's like, fine. I'm staying Yeah, for your doctor, Wang. <laughs> and he's like, fine. Jack, Teddy, get out of town. So they leave. And Miles tries to stab the bodies with a pitchfork. But he can't. He hesitates. Because they look so real. Yep. These are people that he has known his entire life. He's mentioned he's known all these people in the town his entire life. They're human-like. But then he kind of snaps back to reality because he realizes he's never going to get that phone call. And he just, like, stabs one. This was another one of those points where it's like, is this a story thing or is this just a weird movie thing? That the body kind of reacted more like foam than flesh. I think it was intentional because it wasn't a full body yet. That's what I was thinking. Is that it was still forming. And these bodies form from foam. Like, as these things crack open, there's a ton of foam that comes out of these pods. Yeah, it's like bubbles surrounding them. And the bodies come out of these bubbles. So my thought was that they weren't solid yet and were still forming. And that that was an intentional choice. I don't think that was a weird, like... 1950s error. The music also got very intense and creepy here, and I really liked it. Yeah. So then he does a really weird thing to me where he's like, operator's been taken. Let's go use the payphone because they won't have been taken? I don't know. Are they on a different circuit board? I don't know. How do the phones in the 50s work? So they hop in a car and head to a gas station. Uh, And he gets out, and he's using the payphone, and he's like, "They're now back in the 50s, as you know, they used to have people that would come out and do things like check your tires, Take oil, fill your car, like how New Jersey does now. Yeah. And he's like, huh, I don't think he's really checking the car. He can't yeah, tell what he's done, but it's not right. There's two gas station attendants, a uh, mm-hmm. man and a woman. The man starts going into the trunk. He's doing something there. The woman is questioning Becky. Yeah, she's clearly trying to keep Becky's attention while he's doing something. Yeah. It's like, what are you out here for? Like, oh, there's an accident. 
well, we didn't hear anything about it. Oh, it just happened. Like, yeah, yeah, but it's it's nothing that would set you off if you were being questioned. You wouldn't think it yeah. was a weird question. So Becky doesn't think anything of it, but Miles notices because this guy's suddenly in his trunk and he realizes it. Yeah. So he they they get in the car, they drive away, and he stops and he gets out of the car. Becky gets out and she fucking walks over with him. And guess what's in the trunk? Some pods. They open it up and there's pods in the trunk of his car. Sir, I found pot inside your vehicle. I have to ask you to step out of the car, please. So then, what does our hero do? He pulls immolation. Them out. <laughs> well, hang on. He pulls them out the trunk, and this was another choice I thought was so goddamn smart. He lit them on fire with a road flare yep. because guess what? You would probably, you should have a road flare in your car. I know I do. Do you? I'm pretty sure I do. I think my mom got you an emergency. I think it's in that roadside kit your mom got me, yeah. So you should have a road flare in there. And so he lights this road flare, just throws them into the pods. They get into the car, and he just fucking drives off as fast as he can. These things catch on fire instantly, too. Well, I mean, they're plants. I know. They just, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. nothing. Just burn up instantly. And he's like, okay, where do we go? For some reason... Where do they go? Sally's house. Yep. Nurse Sally. My thought is maybe they're going to go warn Sally. I don't know. Well, Miles says that he's not sure who you can trust, but he's always been able to trust Sally. Sally. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, he, he's just like, I, guess. I don't know who else to trust. I'll trust the person that I, I know well enough. I mean, at that point, I wouldn't really know where to go either. I don't either. know how I'd go either. So yeah, he goes, to, but there's a bunch of cars in front of her house. And yep. it's like, wait a minute. It's kind of late because it's nighttime. Yeah. Why would she have, why would she have a bunch of cars in front of her house? So, he gets out and he sneaks very slowly to the side of the house. Very similarly <clears throat> shot to when he was sneaking into Becky's house. Very well shot. Like it was creepy. Like yeah. you you honestly had no idea what you were gonna find. You heard someone's voice. And so he kind of like peeks up over the window. And they're playing Twister. <laughs> yes, they're playing Twister. I'm, and, glad we, I'm glad you agree. Mm-hmm. They, it is not a snatcher that wa- that looks like Becky's dad walking into the room. No, not at all. So there's a bunch of uh, doubles, and they're sitting around, and one of them is holding a pod, and they're going to snatch a baby because they say to go put it up in the nursery in the mm-hmm. crib. And Sally stops him and goes, no, wait a minute. I'll do it because it's her baby. Yep. She... They, they, these snatchers literally take over a baby. We don't see the baby. We but. never see the baby, but we know that's what they're doing because they say to go put yeah. it in the crib and that she'll do it because the baby won't be as upset if it sees her instead of this guy it doesn't know. Yep. And that was such a heartbreaking thought. And it makes you realize, like, yeah, they don't have any emotions. They have no humanity. They do not care that this is a literal newborn baby, mm-hmm. which for this script is so goddamn phenomenal. I couldn't get over how well this movie, how good this movie was. Um, there's another point that I'll talk about where I thought the choice for this was so good, and I'll, I'll tell you here. So Miles is still peeking in the window. And then from behind him, the police officer, Nick, surprises him. Yep. 
and he and he's been snatched as well. Yeah, he's clearly been snatched. We at this point we have no idea who has or hasn't. Yeah, and Miles I think punches him. Yep, he Deps punches him, him and runs, runs away. away. Becky's. Yep, he told Becky to wait in the car, get in the wheel, mm-hmm, get behind the wheel because if something happens, she could drive off. Yeah, so he hops in, they drive off instantly. The mm-hmm. and then so Officer Nick like puts out a call for everyone to look for them. Yep. So the main police siren in the town starts going off. All the cops are patrolling. Yep. This is one of the points where actually before I'll talk mm-hmm. about the montage here. Yeah. Uh, the cops are eating a place called the Hot Dog Show. <laughs> I did not notice that. Yep. Would you go to the Hot Dog Show? Absolutely. Now, do they or do they not have a dinner show while you're eating your hot dogs? I really hope they do. I hope they do too. I would definitely eat there Invasion every of the day. Sausage snatchers. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds like they're taking dicks. I don't know if I like <laughs> that. <laughs> um, so. They keep kind of like slowly cruising through town because I guess it's easier to hide. They're, they're trying to get somewhere specifically. Yeah. So they, they were, yeah. We had a montage here. Cops looking around, driving their cars. This is where I only, I felt there was a couple of weird shots, like some pans that stopped halfway through and then just faded. Just kind of a few awkward choices. There, but There were a couple, but again, this movie can't be perfect. Yeah. This, again, this is probably the worst camera work throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. But that's way better than the other movies we watched. <laughs> it's way better than that fucking awful whip pan shot. In oh yeah, that weird whip pan train shot that yep. made me sick to my stomach. Anyway, so they do something here that was also very smart because in the radio broadcast that we're hearing, they say the license plate number. So what do they do? They they park the car into a used car lot and they put a sign on it in order to look like that car is for sale. So yep. that way they would just pass right on by the car. Yep. They ditched the car in a used car lot, which is right behind uh, Miles' his, office. Yes. Right behind his dentist's office because they doctor's. specifically, doctor, that's what I meant. Doctor's office, not dentist. <laughs> oh, I'm a doctor dentist. Um, so they, they run up the back stairs and we know this is the back stairs because we've seen the front before. Like they've gone mm-hmm. in and out the front. They also mention it later about the front door. So they go up, they run down the hallway, they duck into the office, and they hide in a closet. And this shot... It's a scary shot. ...was actually scary. This was the one point in the movie you half-leaned over, stood up almost. You were so into this moment. Like, I looked at you, and you were I like... I was leaning over, yeah. You were leaning on the way over, because it's this beautiful, beautiful shot. It was so well done of them... They're in this closet, and there's, like, a small window above their heads, and the light turns on, and they're very quietly looking up. You hear a few footsteps. You see a cop come in. You see the top of his hat as he looks into the closet and then turns, and the light turns off, and you hear him walk away in a shot that is just a little longer and a little quieter a little brighter, yet also somehow a little darker than it needs to be. It creates some of the most tension I have felt in a movie in a long time. And this is one of those points, like, as much as 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 I was praising the soundtrack, no music here. There is no music. They really know when and when not to use Mm -hmm. music to add to the tension in this movie. The other thing that really caught me is that you can hear them turning the light on, 
You can hear them turning the light off, opening and closing the door. Yep. You can hear every single footstep the police officer makes. The Foley work here in this shot alone is worth five fucking Hollywood movies. It's <laughs> so, I don't know what that means, but it's so good. Snyder really Cut, good. get on out of here. You don't know how to use audio like Invasions of the Body Snatchers. I was, I genuinely was like, oh my God, I, I was actually kind of, this was the only point in the movie that scared me. Yeah. I was scared. Um, and it was, it was that, so that's good. That's a point we can all, that's also very relatable mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of, you know, someone's like, like, oh, my, my sister's not my sister. That's, that's still pretty sci-fi, but being tracked down and hunted by someone, oh, that's something that could happen to that you in real life. That's relatable. Mm-hmm. So they get out, and she's like, are we safe here? And Miles says, they probably won't check again here until morning. We should be safe until morning. So he (laughs) goes into the cabinet and pulls out nondescript stay-awake drugs, um, probably caffeine pills. Some Red Bull. Some Red Bull. um, Some sort of stimulant. And he's like, here, take this. It will keep you awake until morning to protect your mind from the snatching is what I have. (laughs) Otherwise, if they fall asleep, they're going to get taken, you know. And they start talking about humanity draining away and are you really a human when you become so callous that you can no longer feel and that they want to be able to love and be happy. What is life with it? The the whole thesis of the movie of what is life is basically said in this movie right here because it's the 50s and you can't leave anything too nuanced. (laughs) Even though this movie is... Very, very yeah. nuanced a lot of the time. They kiss again. What is life without emotion? Yeah, exactly. Uh, they smoke in the doctor's office, which I love in <laughs> these movies, just like I love have a love-hate relationship when women are pregnant and they're knocking back martinis <laughs> in movies. I hate it. I love it, but I hate it. So as they kiss, they would fade to black. They probably boned. Oh, yeah, probably. Oh, yeah. Um, they get a phone call, but they don't answer it. Yeah, they we come back in from the black. Phone mm-hmm. rings. It's morning now. And they won't answer it. And she says, why won't you answer it? It could be Jack. And he goes, Jack wouldn't call me right now. He knows the situation's too sensitive for this. Right. And he says, he would just come here. How would Jack know to go there? (laughs) That's the one thing that got me. He told them to leave town and to go find help. Why would he ever show up there? (laughs) I don't know. But then he starts looking outside And people are going about their usual schedules that they have every day. He's pointing out people. He's like, oh, that's Mrs. Smith who goes to the grocery store every Wednesday. And this is blah, blah, blah. I will say also, there's a mirror behind them. I'm 80% sure I saw a camera guy. Oh, I didn't pay attention to that. (laughs) But the thing is, he then mentions that it's way too early in the morning. It's 745. And this town is hustling and bustling already. Right. It's 745 in the morning. The bus shouldn't be running yet. The next bus won't even arrive until 8 a.m. Why is it that everyone is going about their morning routine this early in the morning? And then some people get off the bus, and he goes, huh, that must be why, because there are people visiting. And then this is the other thing that scared the absolute piss out of me, is everybody turns... And starts to just walk silently into the middle of the road, into one spot, as a police after a police car pulls around the corner and just stops. 
almost like a signal. Yep, there's a cop car mm-hmm. that was parked there. Turns on siren, drives around the block, comes back, turns and, siren off. And parks in the exact spot that it yep. started in. And I and I think you literally looked you said, What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was freaky. That was so eerie because literally everybody just stops whatever they were doing. Just walks into turns like and this when island I, in the road. And, and when I say they turn, I'm not talking like they lazily turn. They almost snap into yeah. direction as like almost like an army. Like when you see like an army turn, it's almost like that where they all just turn at the same time and all walk silently to this island in the middle of the road. And then a bunch of trucks. And what, what I love from this part mm-hmm. too is that we see this whole thing from the office window perspective. We yes. don't see anything close up. No. We see what Miles and Becky see of just... Yes, the shot sea from... of people just mm-hmm. descending upon this one and, spot. And people are coming like... And again, there's no music. There's no music. No one is talking. And they, they don't just start to come from the sides of the road that we see. They clearly start coming from between buildings and out of buildings. Yeah. And... Um, coming from places that we can't see. What were a few people in the streets that were bustling starts to become hundreds of people silently stepping into the road. And then these pickup trucks pull up. And they very slowly pull up. And the police officer steps up and opens up. They got these tarps on top of Mm -hmm. them. So you can't see what's in them. And this police officer pulls out a piece of paper and just starts to read. And he's reading truck one, truck two, truck three. And he starts naming places. This street, Harris Street, truck one. Starts naming towns. Towns. Um, Harrisburg, truck two. They take the tarps off, off of these trucks. trucks. And, pe- and people are walking up to them and they start pulling out pods. They're full to the brim with pods. Mm-hmm. And we hear Miles say that the places they're talking about are neighboring are cities neighboring and towns. cities. And that these people are infecting the entire country. And they start taking the pods and loading them into their cars. And they get in their car once all of the places have been read. And they go back to normal lives. They take their pods wherever they're supposed to go without saying a single word. And it is so effectively done. I was genuinely scared. Like I said, this was the other point of... This was the second point. There were three points. I, I realized there was another point that actually scared yeah. me in this movie. And it it was fucking scary. It was real creepy. It was so creepy. They they never say a word. They just start, they just drive off. So they decide like, okay, we have to get out of here. We need to go to the highway. The highway is our point of salvation. So Jack and Kaufman show up and they start, yeah. There's a knock on the them. door, mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, it's Jack. Let him in. Yep, and so they let him in, and Danny Kaufman, Dr. Kaufman's there, and they say, why, you know, why don't you go to sleep? It's inevitable. You can't stay awake forever. It's so much better having no emotion. Because that's that light in their eyes has gone out. Yep. They've been snatched. Yep, and they, they try to convince them to be taken over, and they say that um, the snatchers were seeds that drifted through outer space. They landed in a farm and grew into form of any form of life that they wanted to take. And they decided to go into the likeness of people and take over their minds. And 
create a society that could be exactly the same. No emotions, no nothing. Emotion, emotions get in the way. Life is so much easier without them. There's no need for love. Nope. So they're gonna they they're going to lose their humanity. They have to sleep eventually. Yep. They cannot stave it off. And forever. as Miles said, Miles says you don't have a need for feelings. You only have the need to survive. Mm-hmm. Which you know, a lot. That's just kind of how plants are. You know, they just keep surviving. Yeah. Which makes sense if you know just a plant could you know talk and stuff. It would just want to survive. Right. So, um. They don't use faith. There's no feelings nope. or emotion. So Miles and Becky are are kind of like left into left in the room to like discuss what like they're yeah. like look. They bring in a couple of pods and set them in the other room. And they're like, look, let us have a couple moments here to like talk like yeah. one last time. Because Jack and Danny, they say like we don't want to hurt you. We just no. want you to join us. Yeah. So they lock them in the in the office. Yeah, they don't want to hurt anybody. They just want them to be assimilated. Yep. So, yeah, they lock them in the room because they have to go to sleep eventually. They can't stay awake forever. And this is where the movie commits a sin because I've talked about this in past movies like this. So, Miles decides that they're going to fight for it and he decides to pull out some drugs to oh, drug them. I will say, before that, there's actually a... What? Go ahead, Sorry. There isn't anything really important before this. No, it's just um, Becky just breaks down crying, and I just really like her acting on that. Oh, fair, she does. Yeah, she says. Well, she because she's like, I, I want to. I love. want to love and to be loved, and she looks at Miles like, I want to have your babies. It's <laughs> she, just like, yeah. I just felt really bad for her. Yeah, she she does have that moment, and that's I think what makes him want to continue to fight because yeah. I think at that point. He realizes they're done for, but she kind of has this breakdown that makes him realize, no, we can still do something. And he's like, look, it's me against three of them because I believe Officer Nick is also there. Yeah, there's Nick, Danny, and Jack. Yeah. And she's like, no, it's two against three. I'm still here. So he, the the movie commits a sin here where he's like, I'm going to draw some drugs. And it takes him forever because we have to watch him pull out the drugs and pull the vials and check the vial. Yeah. Like it takes. This is one of those points where it's way like, too long. I feel like they were using this to build up some tension because again they don't use music here. But I feel like this is a point where they could have used some suspenseful music at least. It's just like I just said, a lot of boring. Well, a lot of movies in the fifties commit this yeah. sin where we cut at some points, but then others we like in fucking Killer Shrews where we had to watch them walk down the dock for ten goddamn minutes. Yeah. Uh, we have to watch him pull drugs from the vial and flick the fucking needles and check everything for way too goddamn long. And it's the sin that it commits because I hate when that shit a happens. A reminder that this is still a flashback. So he sneaks around and he busts out the door. Busts out a side door. He busts out a side door and he stabs him with drugs. And then Officer Nick goes to attack him, but bam! Becky shows up, stabs him with drugs. I'm assuming it's knockout drugs or something, or poison. We know yeah. we don't know what they are, but I thought it was poison. It, it's something to, to that takes him out to knock him out. I, I don't know. So they're like, we have to get to the highway, but the back door is locked. They can't get mm-hmm. through, and it's not like Nick can just knock the door down, which was my thought. <laughs> well, it had like a deadbolt on it. You could still fucking probably rip that shit down with some kicks. So 
they're like, we have to go out the front door. There's no other way. You have to pretend to be snatched. Okay. Yep. No emotions. So they go out the front door. They, and, oh, no, go on because I have a point here, but go on. Like when they're walking down the stairs, because like um, his office is on the second floor and they're walking mm-hmm. down the stairs and it's the same shot when they first leave the office in the beginning of the movie. Yes, it is. Which I really liked. Again, yes. that use of cinematography. Mm-hmm. Really good in this movie. Yes. So they go downstairs. They show no emotion. They lie to this police officer. And this is where that cool low-end piano music I was talking about that sounds like it's from Left 4 Dead earlier. I really like this music here. Hang on, because I got I got a fucking point here. That I want to talk about the cool music. <laughs> so they, they have to pretend to have no emotion. And this part made me laugh because it made no goddamn sense because Becky fucks up and she screams about a dog that runs in front of a truck and she apologizes for showing emotion. And this police officer that was clearly snatched watches this happen and then does not go after them. The the cop is like, oh, something's weird about this. I'm gonna go check inside. <laughs> she clearly freaks the fuck out and screams over a dog that runs in front of a truck, and he's just like, better go inside. <laughs> and that, oh, I'm gonna check. I'm not gonna tell these people <laughs> to hang on for a minute. <laughs> like he, it's just I don't know. No one fucking notices. This town is bustling. Nobody's like, huh, that was weird. They're just like, yeah, it's fine. So they start to book it. Yep. The police officers goes upstairs, realizes they got away, even though she just screamed about the dog. <laughs> and this is the point that I said something that you were that you then realized. So the siren goes off. They start running into this into the hills. The they cop run up puts this, out another notice. I just told you the siren went off. <laughs> so they start to run through the hills. The entire town because of one goddamn set of stairs, <laughs> which was weird. It was kind of scary at mm-hmm. first when they were all coming in and then they got to the uh, they got to the, the stairs, stairs and, and then just... they all just it was it's kind of like have you ever seen Blazing Saddles where <laughs> there's the checkpoint they have to go through and they all have to pay the dime in the middle of the <laughs> desert. It's kind of like that. It's like uh, a funnel point. It's like a funnel point. They for some reason they they all start running up the stairs, and it's an angry mob, right? It's people chasing down other people. It's not an angry mob. It's a silent mob. There's a little bit of talking of like, get them. We have to track them down. Where'd they go? But they're not yelling. Because they can't show emotion. They're They're not not angry. angry. They're not angry. They're just running. And that, I, I said something to you and you paused and you were like, oh my God. It was so eerie. Yeah. To be chased down by a group of people that were just kind of quietly talking to each other as they ran. And they were just kind of like, we have to get them. Gotta stop them. It wasn't like, get them, stop them. Yeah, there's no like torches or pitchforks or anything. No. It was just so, being chased by dozens and dozens of people. Mm-hmm, quietly. So Becky trips because woman, as I put. Yeah, they're, they're off into the mountains at this point. They're at like a mine. <laughs> Sorry. Every time like a woman trips or falls, I'm like, of course she does. It's the goddamn 50s and she has to look Because like she twists her ankle or something. She, she doesn't even do that. She just falls. I know, but, but Miles <laughs> picks her up again and carries her. And then, you know, like 30 seconds later, she's walking on the leg fine. I know. It just kills me in movies, especially from the 50s, because there's always something like, I'm tired. I can't go on. Because woman. Yeah. And so I always put stuff like, Becky falls because woman. Oh, it's those ovaries. <laughs> Send 
setting up your sense of balance. <laughs> it just, I don't know why it bothers me as much as it does, but it does. So they run into this, uh, I'm guessing, tunnel. abandoned mine It's a shaft. tunnel. Yeah. They, they call it the tunnel. It looks like it's an abandoned mine shaft. Better watch out for the yellow phosphorus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, Becky and Miles, they're exhausted. Becky's saying she can't stay awake much longer. They need to find the highway. They get into this tunnel. And there's wood on the ground that's clearly covering a hole. And it's, like, super loose. Like, you can tell. There's yeah. gaps in between it. So, Miles picks up the wood. They hide underneath. And they're all, you hear the mob, like, they must have gone into that tunnel. And they go running in. Now, I don't know if you noticed something I did. But the did you foot? <laughs> did you notice that a dude's foot, he trips. It goes between the wood. The wood moves. He clearly trips. No one then thinks to move the wood yeah, that clearly no, his, moved. And this this wasn't an intentional thing. <laughs> no, clearly this guy just happened to trip, and that's the shot that's they had the, to go with because this film was filmed in 19 days. <laughs> and, yeah. And he just trips and keeps going, and this isn't like a huge hole or anything. Like, they're <laughs> laying down. There's... You know, maybe a couple of feet. Maybe. Like, they have to lay down in the hole. You're not standing. Yeah. Like, they're laying. So, if they did move the wood, they could not get away. It's yeah. It's actually another very tense shot at one point where it's filmed from underneath the wood of just their yeah. faces and, like, shadows going above yeah, them. Yeah, sharing all this all the feet. stomping. Mm-hmm. It's actually really well, again, a very well done shot. Yeah. Of them hiding, but it just killed me that this wood clearly moves more than once and nobody yeah. stops to move it. And I had to make note of it because it made me laugh. Um, but it was actually, it, it, that unfortunately took away a little of the tension when that guy tripped. Yeah. I was like, oh no. So, so yeah, go on. So the mob goes down into this tunnel. They can't find him because it's not a very big tunnel. So they turn around and come back out. Yep, so they Keep leave. scouring the hills. And then they, they hear some music. Um, like, it, there's some time that passes. Yeah, they like find, like, a spring or a puddle or something, splash some water on their face. I, I was assuming it was, like, a freshwater spring of some yeah. kind. Um, because, they're again, they're exhausted. They're trying to stay awake. Becky keeps saying she can't stay awake much longer. They've probably been awake for two days at this point. Yeah. Um, I'd be tired. This is no longer tired because woman. This is now tired because no more drugs. Yeah. So they still want to make it to the highway. They hear music. And clearly, if there's music, there have to be people Right? Like, yep. it means there has to be people. So Miles sneaks out of the tunnel, and he peeks out, and they see a farm. And there's greenhouses. And unfortunately, it's not people. What is it? It is more snatchers with mm-hmm. fields of pods. And the music happened to be coming from the radio in the truck. Yep. Um... It just happened to be on. Um, it's it's the idea of he peeks like over the hill mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, you even hear like the song ends like this is WBR twenty four. Yeah, but it's it just you can hear where you actually hear almost like the hopelessness as he realizes yeah that he's not saved that it they just happened yeah. to have the radio on because he went and looked over. The ridge. Becky stayed back at the tunnel. Right. He was expecting that he was going to look over this ridge and that there would be people there that could help and that they, for whatever reason, happened to be, had the radio on because he heard singing and he thought maybe people were singing. 
Yeah, it was some very nice singing. Mm-hmm, yeah. It was very calming, relaxing kind of stuff. Right. And like, you could have maybe mistaken that it was just a small group of people singing. Which would be a little weird out in the hills, but even yeah. still, you would think that if someone's lost their humanity and their will for, like, for emotion, that they wouldn't be listening to music, which yeah. is, I think, what he was thinking. So when they goes over the hill and sees that it's not people, it is doubles, it's these body snatchers, and that there are thousands of pods that mm-hmm. can be seen stretching into the distance. That And then the radio just happens to kick on and say the name of the station and then kind of drowns out. You can, he- I think it drowns out because that's supposed to be him yeah. having a feeling of hopelessness that they're not saved. So he goes back to Becky who cannot stay awake. One thing I want to say here about the actor that plays Miles. Yeah. He does a really good job of running like someone who's tired. He does actually. Like <laughs> It was a weird thing, but when he was coming back into the tunnel mm-hmm. and just seeing how exhausted he was moving. Well, he, he trips like very deliberately. Like he's not really moving his arms. He's kind he's, of slumped. He's slumped. He's dragging himself. Like yeah. He's clearly a man that is so tired that he can no longer function but is trying to push himself yeah. to function. And now he has to help Becky, who also cannot function. He's dragging her out of the tunnel. I'm not sleepy. <laughs> I'm just resting my I'm eyes. I'm just resting my eyes. <laughs> Shut up. Don't don't make fun of me. I would be snatched immediately. I would too. Because uh, I have a great habit of... Gus goes to bed, and I stay awake, and I fall asleep 20 minutes later on the couch. <laughs> this happens all the time. It probably happened tonight. <laughs> no. Anyway. I fall asleep after 30 minutes. <laughs> so Becky, I wrote Becky's stupid ass can't awake. I don't know why I wrote that, but I thought it was funny. But she... No, I can stay awake till midnight while I watch the ball drop. So... She, he's dragging her, and she falls asleep for a fraction of a second. She's just out. She falls asleep. And that's all it takes. It's all it took. She could, she was so close to the brink because she was so close to the brink of being snatched at that point that, in a, as he put it, in a flash, she was gone. Yeah. She went and that he, I think you can make the case that she didn't fall asleep. She passed out. She passed out. She she literally to the point was to the point where she could not stay awake anymore. And then instantly she woke back up, fully alert. She's one of them. Oh, it was terrifying how she went down and like could not go on. And when her eyes reopened, she was fully alert. She yeah. was like it, it was so scary how she went from, I can't do it anymore, I'm so tired, to like, hi, how are you? Well, not hi, how are you, but you know. Like, I have my coffee, I'm ready to get on with this day. Yeah, it, like, nothing happened. Except, you know, none of the emotion. None of the emotion. Yeah. Um, and she's like, you know, come with us, it's not that bad, I'm glad I did it. Like, you know, come on, yeah. join me, join us. You it feels, so, you know, it's great to not have emotions. I don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. I feel clearer now. And Miles, his whole thing is he, he's run as far as he could. He has to get to the highway. So he's 
just dragging himself there, but he gets to the highway as the Snatchers are mm-hmm. chasing him, and they all stop, and they say, let him go. They'll never believe him. Yep. So Miles is in the traffic, slamming on people's car I windows. loved this portion so much because he is deranged. Yeah. He is screaming. People He's... Slamming into cars. He's literally like running into traffic, waving his arms. And everyone's honking at him, get out of the road, you're drunk, get out of here, you crazy bastard. And, and he's he's screaming that at them like they're taking them. He's making no sense. He's screaming like they're they're taking them, they're dead, they're you know, he's trying to warn people. But they're they, already here, you're next. Yeah, they're already here, you're next, you know, we have to stop them. And no one will stop to help him. They're yelling at him, telling him to go home, you're drunk. And they're all just breezing by him on the highway. He hops on the back of a truck to, like, sketch on it, try and get somewhere away. Guess what the truck's full of? It's full of pods. Yep. And he lets go, and he just screams, and he runs into another car. it's not just car. his town anymore. No, it's... He's it's not just Santa Mira. Yeah, or whatever it was. And no one's going to stop to help him. And his acting here is so, like, you know that he isn't truly deranged, but at this point, he is incredibly dirty. He looks insane because he hasn't slept in two days. Yeah. He he looks like I, a crazy man on the highway. I mean, I'd probably react in a similar way if everyone I knew my entire life... Mm-hmm. Was gone. Was, yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is the point where the flashback ends. Right. And the, the one thing I want to say is uh, kind of how he looks is, have you ever been... So like new, I, you you you'll know what I mean. Have you ever been in New York City where you see like the end is nigh, like someone screaming, yeah. on like a like proselytizing, and they look crazy. That's kind of what he looks yeah. like and sounds like. And yes, this is where it ends. And he, you know, and um, we cut back and he's talking with Doctor Hill, and Doctor Hill does not believe him. Um, he's just kind of like fucking. So they close they and he he doesn't believe him. He says he he had to have had a nightmare. Um, but he's he's going to examine him basically. Like yeah, they don't believe him. Do They're f- going to shut the door. Do a full <clears throat> psychiatric eval. Yeah. So then he also had a really good line <clears throat> of "Don't you sit there measuring me for a straitjacket? Do something." And yes, I really like that. That was line. a great line because he can tell that they think he's crazy. He sounds crazy. Yeah. And he knows he sounds crazy. Yeah. He at this point probably had you know he hasn't slept in 2 3 days. So they don't believe him. They they go to leave and another man gets brought into the hospital on a stretcher and they said he was hit by a Greyhound bus. And they said that they had to unbury him from something rather peculiar. A bus full of seed pods that tipped over on the highway? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Dr. Hill's looking back at Miles, and he's just like, oh, my God. He's right. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. He then realizes in that moment that Miles is, in fact, not crazy. And then he starts talking with the cops that brought in Miles. He's like, get mm-hmm. everyone on the horn in the area. Get the get me the FBI. We got to do something about this. And then the movie just ends. The end comes up on Miles' face as he's looking 
Again, still deranged, but also triumphant as he's leaning against this door. I wrote panicked, but relieved. Yeah. We just have the end pop up under him. We we nev- It ends ambiguously like a lot of movies in the 50s do, but not, you know what, not in a way I minded. Because yeah. it doesn't need to continue on and tell us that they burned them all or whatever. You just have to believe that they managed to, to do it somehow. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't. Or maybe they didn't. You never know. I, I don't know if the 70s movie ever goes into it or not. But, uh, yeah. That know. and that, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word for it. Not non-filling, but that, like cliffhanger ending. A- ambiguous. Yeah, that ambiguous ending was much better than the one in God Monster. <laughs> oh, yeah, that ending that made no goddamn sense. Yeah. The body snatchers were the God Monster. <laughs> all along. All along. The real God Monster were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> No, that was the real body snatchers were the friends we made along the way. So yeah, that's the movie. Yeah, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It was I liked it. It was so good. I wanted to pick a good movie because we had watched so many bad ones. And I really wanted to watch Space Amoeba. And I was mad that I couldn't. And then I was like, fine, I guess we'll watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers then. But I knew it was really good because I had already seen it. <laughs> it's just it's so good. It's a really, really well-made movie about humanity and what is man, which yeah. a lot, which um, the 1950s were all about existentialism, which is what this movie is about. It's about the existential crisis and what is man and what is feeling and mm-hmm. can you be a human without love or feeling and you know sociopathy and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was uh, it was really well done. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And again, I see a lot of the influence on other movies, the, especially They Live. That's the one I kept seeing, like, the influence of where this came from, mm-hmm. or at least where They Live got the idea from. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's weird to think that Don Siegel went on to fucking make westerns <laughs> yeah. when he made Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It just seems weird. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I mean, he did go on to also direct Escape from Alcatraz, and I that film won a lot of awards. Let him trying to remember. It also starred Clint Eastwood. We can't do that movie though. It's not a because <laughs> uh, he ended up having a great uh, career with Clint Eastwood because he was also in Dirty Harry. Oh, okay. So we should have known that this movie was good because uh, I just checked on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It has a ninety-eight percent critic you, review. I told you it was really good. Yeah, eighty-five percent audience too. The, uh, like I said, the uh, 70s remake also actually has pretty good ratings. So my my next question for you is, did you pick a movie for next week, and did you make sure that we can watch it? Oh, uh, we, we can watch this movie. Oh, okay, what is it? What, what are you, you going to hit me with? Is it a good one or a bad one? I don't know. Oh, you don't know anything about this one? Not much. Okay, what is it? Maybe I'll know it. Uh, you'll know it. I was there when I when we bought it. Oh god! Because we are going to watch <laughs> El Santo versus the Riders of oh, Terror. Oh my god! We're watching El Santo movies. We're gonna watch an El Santo movie. I'm so excited. I hope we watch the a million of greatest them. luchador to ever live. That's not even a lie. That's just the truth. Like that's not even an opinion. That's objectively true. <laughs> <laughs> like. Come on, man. And that we have on DVD. So unless the DVD is really fucked up and scratched and we can't watch it. We'll be watching that one next time. It won't be because we bought it from HPB. Fair point. Half Price Books. And uh, let me tell you, I used to work there before I got laid off. And we were 
we scrutinize that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, ooh, maybe I'll make it spot since we can't find more space for me. But, uh, I had another movie picked out that maybe we'll watch for my so pick, too. I've never watched an El Santo movie. I haven't either, actually. I've I wrote a paper about him. <laughs> I know you did in college. Yeah. Um, I did really good on it. Yeah, I know. Really well on it, I should say. There you go. I say as I talk about how well <laughs> I did in my paper and I get grammar wrong. But yeah. Are you kidding me? Our grammar is terrible in this podcast. I talked about having to take an angry shit so- at some point. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so you're gonna, we're going to watch uh, some El Santo movies. Yeah. Because we have it on DVD. So, final thoughts. Did you like this movie? I did. Good. It was scary, but it, it not in a... Not a really... It was scary in that, like, it unnerved you way. Yeah. It was unnerving. I wouldn't yeah. call it scary. I would call it unnerving. It was a thriller. I really enjoy sci-fi movies where there isn't a ton of, like, physical sci-fi elements sometimes. You know, like, we had, like, the pods. That was about as sci-fi as it got from, like... In terms of, like, a monster or something. Yeah, like, there was no crazy monster. There are no sci-fi guns or anything. Don't get me wrong. I love something like Star Wars or the Avengers movies. I love crazy all-out sci-fi. Yeah. I mean... I I like these takes sometimes. Yeah. I mean, when we picked... When we decided to do this podcast, we we even said, like, it's not all going to be 50s monster movies that, you know, we specifically wanted to do pre-2000s with a couple of exceptions. Uh odd B sci-fi fantasy films. We've I got some fantasy films. I definitely <laughs> want to cover Conan the Barbarian. Um at some point. It's just we've really been focusing on sci-fi because they're such an easy fucking target. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, you you go ahead plug them socials because I don't know I actually don't know them yet. You, right, you yeah. made them all. Alright, our we got socials. Yeah. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, it is at 20,000 podcasts. That is a two with four zeros and podcasts. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, our Instagram is it came from 20 K pod. Ooh, we have an Instagram. What are we going to post there? Just fucking whatever. Yeah. I'm going to post still in the movie. Oh yeah. That's know. a good point. Um, or if we're like, oh yeah, fucking put some reference pictures. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Maybe we can post a picture of that pod later. Yeah. Anyway, go on. And uh, if you really want to contact us, Directly, we have a Gmail as well. Whoa! Yeah, it came from 20kpod at gmail.com. I didn't know we had an email. Email yeah. me. I'll email you back, maybe. I won't. I might. <laughs> so yeah, we're only three episodes in, but, you know, if if you got some good feedback or some, you know, not good feedback, but don't be a, don't be a dick about it. If I cry, I'm blaming you. I cry <laughs> easily, nerds. I cry at commercials. We are open to constructive criticism, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm not. He is. <laughs> I'll cry. Then you'll feel bad. Yeah. Um, you can also send, you know, any movie suggestions if you know of some fucking buck-ass wild film. We yeah. Have to and also, we're open to foreign films. Like I said, I was going to make us watch Space Amoeba, but couldn't. I mean, we're going to watch a uh, film from Mexico. Exactly. So if you know some buck-wild B-movies from, like, Italy or something that we should really watch... As long as we can watch it with captions. Some of these movies are hard to find. Yeah, I I really don't like dubbed over pre-2000s films if I don't have to watch them. There's a few exceptions, but... Maybe I'll make you watch one sometime just because I know you don't like them. My problem with them, as I told you before, not on the podcast, is that they really change the script a lot of the time yep. where they will change the meaning of the film sometimes or... 
just they don't convey the emotion that the movie is going for because they're just so terribly dubbed and I just I hate it. So I much prefer watching them with subtitles so you can actually hear, you know, the acting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you but just... the dub is what makes them so bad and so good. <sighs> I mean, we, <laughs> I do have Ultraman and I do watch Ultraman dubbed sometimes because it's really fucking funny. Um, especially that dubbed song, Ultraman. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else you want to want to discuss? Uh, this movie was real good. Yeah. Definitely go watch Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Don't watch any of the other movies we've fucking pointed out so far. Uh, Maybe we'll watch the uh, the remake sometime. Do a little yeah, I, contrast I definitely plan to watch the remake down, down the line. It's on my list of movies to do. I almost thought about going and watching the 76 version first, but I was like, nah. Let's watch the original first. Okay. All right, and with that, this has been It Came From 20,000 Podcasts. I'm Gus. I'm a nerd. I'm Caitlin. We, no, we know that. It's just an addition. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I hope I didn't just blow out the audio. And thanks for watching. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. They'll, they'll be in the, uh, the description for all this. Spread the word. Podcasts live and die by word of mouth these days. So if you like it, give us a share, please. Really appreciate it. If you don't, don't tell me or I'll cry. Don't all do right. it or she'll cry. Then I'll have to deal with it. <laughs> he lives with me. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <I'll> cry. <laughs> I just really want to. I will cry. <laughs>